Thank you, Elder Doug. Uh, a couple of months ago, Elder Doug and I met with Gina uh, down the street, and uh, we're excited uh, what we can do. You often hear me say this, that we're not here just to simply exist, but really to be alive and to really make a difference for our uptown community. And uh, we're excited as well as partnering with the alderman. Uh, Pastor Mark and I, we talked to the alderman uh, the other day, and he's excited to partner with our church as well. So uh, God's got great plans, and we just got to join him. Amen? Well, this morning I'm going to continue our series, and as you know, I'm always excited to preach the, his word, but I'm uh, really excited about this series that we started three weeks ago, to be the church. And I want to make it very clear because many times even Christians have a confusion of what a church ought to look like. You know, we are living in this consumer mentality. Again, what can the church do for me? You know, again, we're reminded that it is about who Christ is and what Christ does through us and in us. And we want to be the church that Christ envisioned. We want to be the church that Christ died for. And he said clearly to Peter, Peter... On your profession that you said that I am the Messiah, I am Christ, on that profession, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to build Nick's church. He didn't say, I'm going to build Doug's church or Mark's church or your church. But he said what? I'm going to build my church. And that's what we're all about. Amen? Amen. To be the church that Christ envisioned, to be the church that Christ died for, and to be the church that he planted and started 2,000 years ago. So first week, we kicked it off by saying that to be the church, we must first what? Believe in Jesus Christ. Not believing in anything else. Not believing in those, you know, health self books that sounds really good. Or or the commentators that you hear. But believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? And second is to belong. We talked about that last week. About belonging to a church. Belonging to a dynamic community that really loves God and one another. We talked about that we are dependent, not independent, but we are dependent upon one another. That we are the bride of Christ. We belong to one another. There is no one single person, but we are together as one. And that is why we talked about it yesterday too in the leadership meeting. The elders, some of the elders, and myself, and Pastor Mark, and and the deacons. We got together. We're going to be unified. We're going to be one. Serving God together. Belong. Well, today we're going to talk about become. Becoming what Christ wants us, Christ envisioned us to be. To become a church. To become what Christ died for as his disciples. So let's pray, and then we'll go into our message this morning. Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning. And Father, I don't want to sound like being redundant, but Paul was redundant all the time to stress how important it is. And again, Father, again, we want to stress over and over again how your word is so important in our lives. And your word has to be preached. Your word has to be taught. And so, Father, I pray that you would open up the ears of my brothers and sisters' heart and mine as well. As Jesus says, he who has ears, listen. And so, Father, I pray Not only my brothers and my sisters, but I myself will listen as you proclaim your word through your servant. Father, be glorified in everything that I say. That is not about me, but it's all about you. 
May the name of Nikim decrease so that Christ will increase. Christ will be exalted. And that my brothers and my sisters will not see me, but they will see you and you alone. Now may the meditation of my heart and the words that are spoken through this servant may be pleasing to you. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. The other day, I looked at myself in the mirror. And I have to tell you this. If you're in the 20s or in the teens, I want you to write this down. And seal it until you are in the 40s and you open it up. All right? The older you get, you only look in the mirror for necessary purpose. Are you with me? The guys in the gym that I go to the health club, when I go in the locker room, they're, they got their shirts off and then they're flexing in the muscles and they're, you know, taking self-pics and so forth so they could put it on the Twitter or Facebook. No, I don't think young people use Facebook account anymore, right? Instagram or, or whatever it may be. The guys that are posing in front of the mirrors, they're in the, their teens or their 20s. I don't see guys in the 40s or the 50s posing in the mirror. Only the young ones. As I look at myself in the mirror, I, I'm thinking to myself, man, the older that I get, I look more like my father. Now, happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> but if he was here, he would say, boy, is that a problem that you look like me? <laughs> it was, that's probably what he was true. That's what he would probably be telling me. What's wrong with that, boy? Well, it's true. It's uncanny. You cannot run from your DNA. You know what is in you is going to be you. Let me say that again. What is in you is going to be you. This is one of the reasons why I tell younger people all the time. And that's why I'm so stoked. I'm so pumped that, again, uh, Joshua has started our youth ministry because we need to disciple and mentor young men and women. Amen? Amen. That's why I tell these younger people all the time, watch your habit patterns. Watch your choices. What you do, excuse me, what you are doing is becoming you and that is in you is going to be you. Amen? But more than the DNA of our parents and what our habits, patterns are, we have the potential. Now, here's the great news. Listen to, please carefully. The potential to become more like our Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the three God in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches us. Now, remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and I love this verse. And here's why I love this verse. He says, if you turn to the next slide, he says, let us make man in our image. He did not say, let us make man in my image. But he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. What is God telling us? He's saying that let us make man in our image, meaning me, Nick, he said, you're going to have the image and you're going to bear the image, you're going to bear the likeness of God the Father, God the Son, 
and got the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? As children of God, that you bear the image of God the Father, you bear the image of God the Son, you bear the image of God the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, if that doesn't cite you and that doesn't pop you up, I don't know what will. Amen? Hallelujah. You could do better than that, brothers and sisters. Come on now. You bear the image of King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You bear the image of Prince of Peace. And you bear the image of the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ and the power and on. We have that power. And we have the image of God the Father. The love of God. The compassion of God. Amen? So this morning, I want us to remind us who we are becoming as a church. We are becoming more like our Father, our Father God. We are becoming more like our Lord Jesus Christ. We are more becoming like our Holy Spirit who is dwelling in us. Remember, what is in you is going to be you. And therefore, if the Holy Spirit is in us, then we are going to be like the Holy Spirit. We do not allow the old flesh, as Brother uh, Elder Doug said, new creation. We're not going to let the old self resurrect itself, but rather we're going to, with the new creation, we're going to suppress the old self, and we're going to kill the old self because we are the new creation of God. Amen? That's who we are becoming. So this morning, Paul reminds us in the letter to the church of Ephesus. He reminds the church of Ephesians. He reminds the Ephesians and us who we are in Christ. And we must become more like him each day. Each day. I become more like him today. I become more like him tomorrow. And it goes on. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 8. Paul writes, he says, For you were once darkness. For you were once darkness. Let me press the pause button and stop here. Because it's worth noting. The Greek word for darkness is stratos. stratos. It can mean principle of sin. With a certain result. Now, as a church, many churches do not want to talk about sin. Many times the church wants to talk about the blessings. Many times the church wants to talk about feel-good stuff. We don't want to talk about sin. But however, we have to deal with sin because it's still alive and real in us. And we have to confront it. And so the, the, the Scripture does not shy away from the word sin, but rather he tells us to confront it, die to ourselves, and die to sin. So here Paul is saying, for you were once in darkness, meaning that you were once belonging to sin. But, and he's telling us before knowing Christ, we were in living in sin, living in darkness. Paul points out, but you were, but now you are what? Light. You are light. Live as children of light. Now here the Greek word for light is phos. Meaning the manifestation of God. Meaning manifestation of God's self-existent life. Divine illumination to reveal and impart life 
through Christ. Do you see that? That once we were living in sin, now that we are living in light, we allow the manifestation of God living in through us and imparting our lives through Jesus Christ. That's who we are. What Paul is saying to us is that we are no longer living in darkness, but living in light of Christ. It is our relationship with Him and through Him. Though that we are imperfect, we become the children of light. Not children of darkness, but the children of light. First, in 2 Peter first chapter 1, verse 4 says this, Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promise. What is that precious promise? So that through the, them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil's desires. You see, in, in, it is in Christ we were able to escape the evil desires. We have the power to do so. That's why I, I, don't, I disagree with people saying that I'm trapped. I'm trapped in myself. No, 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 no. That's what the devil tells you or that's what the darkness is telling you. But you have the power and you have the authority to escape that trap. To escape that evil desires. That's what, prop, that's what Paul, uh, Peter says here. And now become the light in the world. The question is, what does being the light mean? It means we are children of light. That we've been transformed from the darkness into the lightness of Christ. Paul explains the latter part of verse 8 and 9. He says, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all three things. Number one is goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, as children of light, we are to produce three types of fruit. Remember the, the story that Jesus told us about the fig tree? The fig tree appeared to have fruit or producing fruit, but it didn't. So therefore, Jesus Christ criticized and condemned that tree because it appeared to have fruit, but in reality, when he got real close, it did not produce fruit. And he was an indictment for the nation of Israel to the Pharisees and the religious of law of hypocrisy. And that's why he condemned it. And here, in a very similar way, Paul talks about it. As children of light, we are to produce three types of fruit. First is this. As you see it, is goodness. The first, the first fruit that we ought to produce is goodness. Goodness, which means generosity. We are to be generous with our love, forgiveness. And here it is. Time. People are generous with their finances and praise God that you are. But sometimes we get very stingy with love. Are you with me? Sometimes we get very stingy. We become cheapskates of forgiveness. Are you with me? And here's another one. Sometimes we get real stingy and cheapskates of our time. When someone needs our time and help and comfort, 
We said, I don't have the time for this, but I could give you some cash. I don't have time to come over, but I can give you some clothes. But remember what Paul says, and I'm going to touch upon love here. And you have often heard me quote Paul. He says, what good is it if I give, sell my possession and give it to the poor? If I don't have love with it. What good is it if I throw my body into the burning flame, but there's no love? What good is it? And so here, the fruit that we're talking about, that Paul is reminding us is that first fruit is goodness. And what goodness means, being generous with love and forgiveness and our time. Second fruit is this, righteousness. You see it behind me. Meaning integrity in, de- in all our dealings with God and man. When we look around the world today, can you honestly say that you see men and women who are Christian, who are professing Christians, live a life of integrity towards God and towards other men and women? We don't see that much. Are you with me? Say amen. Even in our churches. But you and I know UBC, that's not the case, Right? We have full of integrity here. Third, as you see behind me, is truth. Which means the absence of falsehood and deception. There is no room at UBC of deception and first falsehood in our church. Amen? There is no room. And we're not going to stand for it. Amen? Only truth is alive and real and existent in our church. Amen? Early in my Christian years, when I was young and immature in my faith, I received a ticket. Matter of fact, it was so far back, I don't even know what kind of ticket it was. I don't think it was a speeding ticket or whatever. I don't know why the police officer gave me a ticket. So as I, it's, as I received the ticket, I thanked the police officer and I said, all right, here's a court date. And I was preparing for the court date and I was tempted, okay, I'm going to make up some uh, uh, stories or explanation so that when I go to the front of the judge and I say, judge, this is my story now. I was tempted to come up with the story. Deception, false, not the truth. But the scripture kept on reminding it and echoing my mind when Jesus says, what does it say? What does he say? The truth shall set you what? Free. Free. The truth shall set you free. And that just kind of be, just like, it's just been pounding in my mind. And it's just, the Lord will not let it go. And so that, that day I said, Lord, I, I hear you. So when I go for the judge, I'm going to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Because I'm the children of light. The child of light. So I went up. I didn't have an attorney. The judge, the judge asked me, do you have an attorney? I said, no, sir, I don't have an attorney. I can't afford one. So I was up there, and then you see the, uh, they call it what, DA? Or the other uh, attorney who's, gonna, who's working for the state or the city saying, Judge, you got this and this, and we need to find him for what he has done. And the judge looked at me and said, Son, are you guilty? He's, got, he's leaning over his, his, uh, his bench. Are you guilty or not guilty? And humbly I said, Judge, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I am guilty. So I deserve the consequences of you finding me. And the judge looked at me and said, Boy, today's your lucky day. 
It says all charges have been dismissed. You're free. You're free. And then he had his hammer and he says, boom. And I love that sound. And the DA is right here. He's like blown away. He's like, oh, what just happened? He's like, judge, you can't do that. He broke the law. He's got to pay for it. And he says, I made my decision. And the, ju- and the DA is like, no, judge, let it be on record that I disagree with your decision. And the judge looks at the DA and he's like, this is my courtroom. So be it, let it be on record. Boom! <laughs> you are free. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus' word is, is, is powerful. And Jesus promises we have to embrace that. The truth shall set you free. Amen? So, brothers and sisters, if you are tempted in any way to falsify just because you want to get out of the situation, or if you want to say, okay, I made a mistake, but you're not owning up to that mistake or what you have said, come on, put up on some big boy pants and own up to your mistake. Fathers, all right? Men, are you with me? The truth shall set you free. These are the three characteristics of the fruit that we need to bear. I wrote this down. When the light of Jesus transformed and alters our lives, there will be sanctifying life for others to see. You see? If we are transformed by the light, then there is sanctification that others will see in our lives. You see? Then and only then, we with, as Paul will say in verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, the only way that you and I could discover what pleases the Lord is that we live according to the light. There's no other way. The greatest sermon Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount, as you remember, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, and I love this. And this is what our UBC is ought to represent. He says, you meaning as Christians. Let me personalize this and says, you, UBC, are the light of the world. Amen? Amen? Take it as Jesus is saying this in front of you right now. Standing on a top a sermon on top of the mountain. Not you don't see Pastor Nick preaching, but Jesus Christ is saying this to you. You, UBC, are the light of the world. Amen? Amen. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now, sometimes in our house we get a power outage. That's why I bought this, so that we get light. Got light that's high and this is low doesn't really make a difference because we've got a whole bunch of lights here. What did Jesus Christ says? Yeah, the light is effective like this. But what if, he said, it is not meant for you to hide it over a bowl. Besides, this is not a bowl. This is my garbage can. In my bag. All right. But can you see the light now? You see, the problem is, brothers and sisters, Too many children of God, too many children of light are hiding 
And they cannot tell the difference if you are the light of a child. Because you're hiding. There is a sin of omission. Right? And oftentimes as Christians, we fall into that category. Too many of us, and Jesus is telling us that we cannot hide or we cannot put a bowl because what does he say? If you turn to the next slide, what does he say? Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what? You Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light. It gives light. You see, isn't Jesus brilliant? That's what he's saying. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives it light to everything in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light, what? Shine. And how do you let your light shine? About those three fruits that we talked about. Goodness, right? I forgot the second one. What is the second one? Righteousness. And the third one is what? Truth. That is what we ought to shine. And not put it under, that is not what, this is not what it meant. This is not what we meant. Why? So that you will receive the glory? So you will get the attention? That you get the pat on the back and say, you are a good Christian. You are a faithful Christian. By the way, why do we have to add an adjective to a Christian? You ever thought about that? Why can't you just be a Christian? You hear Bob. He's a good Christian. He's a faithful Christian. It should be given. Why do we have to add an adjective? But it is not, again, it's not to glorify ourselves. So many Christians are to try to be the light. What? Look at me. Look at me to glorify themselves and put themselves in the pedestal and say, look how high I'm going up. But what did Jesus say? Before others, that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Not to glorify yourself, not to glorify myself, but to glorify heaven. That's why we ought to let our light shine and people see so they will glorify the Father in heaven. The goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what people need to see. And because we are becoming like Him, the question is, how can we shine more brightly? How can you and I shine more brightly? Some of you, I have one. Some of you have watches that glow in the dark. And how your watch glow in the dark is this. You have to put it to the light and let it charge. Are you with me? And after you let it charge for a certain, maybe a minute or two, and then as it's charged, you go to the dark room and you look at your watch and what? It glows. Right? Now perhaps some of you some of the young ones don't know what a glow-in-the-watch is because you have iWatch, you know? That's the next generation. Or some of you don't even do have a phone, be- I mean a watch, because you have a phone to look at your time. But again, the point is that you have the glow-in-the-watch. In order for the watch to glow and to work and function properly, you need to be in the light. And that's how it will be brightly. So in the same way, hear me now, please, for you and I to glow in the dark, uh, in the light, uh, in the glow in the dark, to be the light that we need more Jesus in our lives. Amen? 
Apart from Jesus, we cannot glow in the dark. We cannot be the light because we need Jesus in our lives. You see? That's why Jesus says this. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Right? He didn't say, okay, you abided in me yesterday so you don't have to abide in me today. You see, that's the problem with church, uh, many followers of Christ. Is that I had a dose of Jesus yesterday and today I could take a break. Right? Or some of the people that come to the church says, I had a dose of Jesus on Sunday at 11 o'clock. So now I could go and live my life on Monday through Saturday. And I'll get another dose on Sunday. But Monday through Friday, uh, Monday through Saturday, it's my life. Have you heard that before? Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. That's what it means. And he says, apart from me, you cannot do anything. You see. Now, how can we get recharged? How we get recharged is by daily spending time in prayer. That's how we get recharged. And not only in prayer, that we need to spend time in the Word of God daily. That's how we get exposed to Jesus. That's how we get exposed to the light. And that's how we get charged every morning, every day, every hour, every time. That when we have the opportunity that we uh, say a prayer to Jesus. That's why Paul says, pray without ceasing, right? Pray continuously. That means when you're in the shower, you pray. When you're driving, you pray. When you're sitting down eating lunch, you pray. Instead of thinking about other stuff. And when you have the time. And now it's so convenient. The technology is great. Most of you, if not all of you, have your phones. And you have the Bible, the Word of God, ready and available to you. That's how you and I, how we get recharged. That's how we get to shine brightly, more brightly. Without Christ, we can't do anything. That's what Jesus says. Therefore, we must spend time with him. And so that we develop more of his character and image in our lives. To become what Christ wants us to be. Notice in in verse 11, Paul says this. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. The light produces fruit, but the dark is fruitless. You see, there's nothing good coming out of darkness. Even from a science perspective, vegetation and animals, they don't do well in darkness. Matter of fact, they cease to exist because of darkness. In the same way, spiritual darkness is fruitless darkness. Darkness disguises itself as good, but it is evil when it is exposed. Paul tells us, have nothing to do with it, but as light we must respond or expose the sin of darkness. Amen? One thing I've noticed about darkness is that it has no shame. Notice in verse 12, it is shameful even to maintain what is what the disobedient do in secret. You see that? People who are disobedient to God has no shame or remorse what they do. They don't care who they hurt. They don't care who they cheat. As long as they get their way, 
the end justifies the means. doesn't matter who they hurt on their way. But you will hear me say over and over again, but it is the means that you have to live with. It is relationships. But the people in living in dark, they don't care. About a month ago, I went to the gym and I was feeling, I, was, I remember this night specifically. It was Tuesday night and after gym, I felt really good. I felt replenished. I felt really refreshed coming out and I'm feeling good. I'm walking towards my car and I see something wrong with, something a little different about my car. So I walk closer and I'm about to open my door, but I look at it in my uh, rear door, right above my rear uh, tires, there's a big dent. I said, you're kidding me. What happened is that someone hit my car, took off. He didn't run. I said, man, this person has no sense of moral, no sense of integrity. This person could have wrote a note and said, I apologize, I hit your car. Here's my number. Give me a call and we'll have our insurance take care of this. No note, nothing. Next few days, I went to the health club, uh, and I asked the manager in, this, uh, in the front desk, I said, did any, and I said, I, know, I knew this was a long shot. So I said, did any, anyone said, okay, did they hit a, a white Honda Accord? I said, sorry, sorry, no one, no one said it, no one said it. And I told her, I explained the situation to the manager. He's like, I apologize, we're so sorry. But I'll keep an eye on it if anyone would turn in their note. It's been about almost two months, no notes. I see. People living in darkness, they don't care. They have no shame. They have no integrity. They don't care who they cheat or who they hurt. The answer to this is darkness is light. Yes, we will experience darkness, but the answer is that our response to darkness is light. We're not going to respond darkness with darkness, right? We're not going to experience, we're not going to respond with anger with anger. We're going to respond with forgiveness. We're going to respond with acceptance. That's how we respond in light. Notice in verse 13, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. The question is this, in light of all this, what are we to do? What are we to do? What's the practical application that we can take home and apply it? Paul says this in verse 11. If you could turn to the next slide. Have nothing, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Are you with me? Matter of fact, Paul, that is so good. Why don't we repeat that once once more? Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. And Paul says this, but... Rather, expose them. Our culture today puts us so much emphasis or value on being open-minded and being, intoler- being tolerant. Christians who make good moral judgments based on Scripture are known closed-minded and intolerant. How many times have you been called narrow-minded Christian? How many times have you been called You are prejudiced. We're not being prejudiced. We're not being closed-minded. We're being Christians. Amen? The world wants us as Christians to be more accepting, 
even if it is immoral or unethical. You see, we cannot turn a blind eye when we see immoral things happening. We cannot turn a blind eye when there's unethical things happening. We cannot commit a sin of sin on omission. Now, does it mean that we have to judge? No, doesn't mean, but we have to care and love and compassion, have compassion. I'll be real honest with you. My old church that I planted in the city, one of the college students was graduating. He was a senior uh, college. He went to Northwestern, bright kid. Great testimony. Was raised by his grandparents. But he worked hard. The society said, you can't make it. You can't make it. Because your family history says all your, all your relatives did not make it. He actually, he was the first out of his family to make it to college. And he made it to Northwestern. And he was graduating and says, Pastor Nick, I have to be real honest with you. There's something in my heart that is convicting and that I've been living in sin. I've been living in sin and I need your help. I said, brother, you know I love you as a brother in Christ. You know I'm here for you. And he says, Pastor, I need your help because I've been living a life of homosexuality. And I know the scripture said that is wrong. And I have to repent of it. And I need your help. Now some people in here may be uncomfortable with that. But the word of God says, what? That's the truth. In Romans you see that. Well, Paul talks about that. And in Genesis, God says, God created men and women. Right? Now that's another sermon. But the point that I make is that he had a conviction that he was living in sin. And he said, Pastor Nick, are you going to judge me for this? I said, brother, I'm not going to judge you. I love you. And I will help you. I will help you to turn your life around. You see, that's the compassion that Jesus would show. But we have too many Pharisees, he said, and they will condemn that poor young boy. But we're not called to condemn. We're called to show compassion and love. Amen? Because that's what the Bible says. And if you have a real problem with what I'm saying is that you have a problem with the Word of God. Amen? So we have, cannot turn our blind eye to immoral or unethical things. We have to love with a loving heart. And compassionate heart. And a gentle heart. That's what the Word of God says. Remember, I'm going I'm I'm to, on the side, remember, I love the story when the woman at the well, when Jesus approached the woman, he knew that she had seven or six or seven different husbands. She lived in adultery. What did Jesus Christ do? Did he condemn her right there? Like the other Pharisees? No. He went down to her heart level. He spoke to her. And he ministered to her lovingly and compassionately. That's who Jesus Christ is. And, that, and that's who Jesus Christ is in us. And if Jesus Christ is in us, that was in you, that is becoming you, you see. And that, as, that we, are, we bear the image of Jesus Christ. That's who we are becoming as a church. Amen? Amen. Loving, compassionately, 
loving, compassionate, but calling sin a sin. Amen? There's no way of getting around that. That's what Jesus said. Loved ones, we must be the light when we are in the office, in the classrooms, in the stores, and even in the church. This Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit calls us to stand up against wrong, and we are to be faithful as children of light in this dark, cruel, cold world. Jesus is the light of the world, and we must become the light of the Lord by our relationship with Him. Everything, everyone that Jesus touches, and everything that He illuminates by Christ becomes a light. We, as His church, has a great responsibility. Live as children of light. Have nothing to do with the dark, fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Therefore, Paul challenges the church of Ephesus to wake up. And he's challenged us as well. Did you read this verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 before? And I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, know this. And what does Paul mean by saying, wake up? He's telling the church of Ephesus to wake up. O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will, be, will shine upon you. Paul's charge is very clear, my dear brothers and sisters. Some people who are light in the Lord, they have been falling asleep. And they appear to be awake, but in reality they are falling asleep. Now some Sundays I see some of you physically falling asleep. But Paul is not talking about physical falling asleep, is he, right here, right now? No. He's talking about you need to spiritually wake up because you are spiritually asleep. And we see too many people that are asleep. He says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Brothers and sisters, if we are the light and that's who, we're, who we are becoming, as a church of Christ, then we must act as light. We must wake up. In closing, we must live out by displaying the fruit of the light. That is, repeat after me. Number one is goodness. Number two is righteousness. Number three is truth. And when it is needed, we need to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. In love. Please don't forget that. In love. Then the outcome will be, as Paul says in verse 14, Christ will shine in you. The full light of Jesus must shine upon our lives so that the light of Jesus' character will be clearly evident in our lives. You see, what we become as a church, we are to become the light of the Lord. Jesus says we are the light of the Lord. You see, we are the light of the Lord. And that's what we need to shine in this world. Amen? That's who we are. And that's who we are becoming as a church. And all God's people say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And sometimes, Lord, your word, your truth, it can be ouch. 
It's not easy to hear sometimes. Sometimes the truth is not easy to accept. But it is the Word of God. It is not man's opinion. It is not a woman's idea. It is not a good idea. But it's God's idea. And we have to stand by the truth. But reminding us in love, with a compassionate, merciful, gracious heart. So God, I pray that you'll continue to, be, continue to teach us and help us to be more like the light of Jesus Christ. That we will live as light, as children of light. So God, I pray that you would empower us, the UBC church, that we will represent you well. And that everyone that sees us as we are the light and as we do good deeds, they will not glorify us, but they will glorify the Father in heaven to bring honor and glory to him. And I pray, Father, the message that was spoken through this servant was to bring honor and glory to you, Father. And I hope and pray that you were pleased with the message that was spoken through this servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's stand up together and sing this. Lord, make me like you. Please make me like you. You are a servant, make me want to, oh Lord, I am willing to do what you must do, to make me like you, Lord, please make me like you, oh, Lord, make me like you, please make me like you. Make me want to Oh Lord, I am willing To want you To make me like you Lord, please make me Oh Lord, I'm willing Oh Lord, I am willing To what you must do Whatever you do, whatever you do, Lord, please make me like you. Hallelujah. Thanks, Brother Mike. That was a beautiful song, Make Me Like You. I have one last announcement before we close. Let me reiterate uh, what pa Pastor Mark has shared. Uh, we want to follow the CDC guidelines. And they said the CDC guidelines says that if you are fully vaccinated, then you have the option of removing your mask. However, if you are not fully vaccinated, the CDC guidelines says that you need to wear a mask, as well as children who are under 12. Now, wearing a mask is really, I know it can be uncomfortable, but it is really to protect others. 
and we don't want to expose if we are infected in any way. Because let me say this: we want to be sensitive, and and and, and we don't, and that uh, that we want to be uh, to be courteous and respectful others. If they are wearing a mask, we don't, you know, uh, you know, we want to respect that they want to wear a mask. And so, and if if you don't want to be vaccinated, we want to respect that as well. And so again, we are a Christ family. We accept and we respect your decisions. And we want to, I know it's a very sensitive issue, uh, but we want to be loving and accepting. And we want to say, there's no judgment here. Amen? Amen. There's no judgment here. But we want, to follow the, we want to follow the guidelines of the CDC. But at the same time, we want to protect the people. Because let me say this very clearly. Because it, you may be healthy and you may be asymptomatic. And you may not have the symptoms of if you're infected and you, if you're healthy. But you can infect others. And the people that are not healthy as you, it can hurt them. I personally know two people who have pa- not know, but I know my, uh, my, uh, my family knows the families, their relative. Two people, Anna and uncle, passed away because of COVID. Uh, I mean, now, any disease is very... Uh, serious, but I just want to encourage you. I know that some of the guys that I know at the gym, you know, they're young and healthy. And they're like, I don't need vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask. You know, and I said, yeah, you're fine. But the people around you, the people that you interact with, you can harden them. So that's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm coming from my, my heart to you. And I'm asking you to work with us as UBC. I know it's a sensitive issue, but we want to protect others. We don't want to harm any other brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is one thing. So we want to be sensitive because, again, it's a sensitive topic. But, again, let me remind all of us at UBC, we are a loving community and we accept one another. No judgments. Amen? Amen. 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 So, so we will do that. Uh, we will announce it this week in the website and the next week. And then July 4th, that's when we, we will implement that CDC guideline. Amen? So let me pray and close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing unto him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, God loves you. We love you. Go in peace.